Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Have you guys ever been to London, England before? London, we've got one. Anybody else been to London? Got a few in the back here? Yeah, I see some over here. That's awesome. So London, England, you guys know well then that public transit is a really important part of being there in London. Well, part of the government there is an actual, they have a government lost and found there with the London Transport. They have a lost property office. They, they call it the LPO. It's located um, you know, on the side of Baker Street Station, just across from the street where the fictitious residence of Sherlock Holmes was. It's been there since 1933, and it's where all of the lost, inf- uh, all the lost items that are left on any public transit ends up. So, so the underground, buses, cabs, you name it, they come here, and they're placed there so that they can be reclaimed, so that people can come looking for them and find them, and also so that the, the, the LPO actually works to try to reach out and find the owner if they have anything that on them that, that maybe their name or something like that where they can figure it out, they try to reach out to them and get it back, all right? Every year, people lose crazy things like wheelchairs, false teeth. I mean, things you need, <laughs> right? Things that you need. Um, you know, watches, backpacks, lunch pails, umbrellas, cell phones, all sorts of other stuff. As as many as 1,200 items a day. Sometimes as much as 340,000 items a year. And sometimes the things are are, are just kind of hard to believe. Like, Like urns with human remains. Or maybe they found one time a suitcase full of money. Like, yeah, that's what I wanna find. Or, or, or a human skull. One time, I don't know how they got this on the subway, but they found a lawnmower. Somebody left a lawnmower. Well, the director of the office, he said that in an interview that the one item that stood out to him was a fully functioning skydiving parachute. And he said in his British humor, he said, he hoped the person realized that they had lost it before they jumped out of the plane. He said, <laughs> so the LPO, you know, in a sense this morning, think about this with me. The church is an LPO. Not a lost property office, but a lost person operation. We are in the business of helping lost people get returned to their rightful owner, namely God who made them. And we're gonna see here in the text here in just a moment that there is great joy all around when that happens. And we need to keep that in mind today, guys, as we take the gospel to every home. If you're new with us today, we have been building up um, uh, in, an, in an emphasis here at, at, at both campuses, our South Campus, and then we have another campus in Bowling Green we call our East Campus. Together, we're gonna reach somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,300 homes. And I think Pastor Ed even got a few more, so it may be closer to 3,000 homes before we get done as, as both campuses. This campus, we're aiming at 1,000 homes. And here's the deal. Sometimes when we hear about taking the gospel and getting out and going door to door, man, that sounds like work. And let's get real, it is. It is work. But here's today's takeaway that we find in our text as a motivation for us. And here's today's takeaway. 
take the gospel to every home because there is great joy in the lost being found and saved. Now, we have some people here in the text this morning that didn't understand that. Jesus was trying to help lost people get found, right? He was trying to get people who were lost reconnected and returned to their owner, his father. And it totally pruned some Pharisee faces. This man receives sinners and eats with them? You ever wonder if Jesus was tempted to just slap one of them upside the face, right upside the head? Well, he didn't. He actually slapped them upside the heart. He took the kinder, gentler route, slapped them upside the heart with a trifecta here of, of parables. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal, this trifecta of parables that essentially begged them when lost people are being found, don't refuse to come to the party. Now, because our passage is so long today, we're gonna remain seated. We would normally stand, but we're gonna remain seated. But please follow along with me as I read the word of God this morning. We're gonna go to Luke 15. We're gonna read the entire chapter together. Now, usually these, these three parables are preached separately. And when we do that, and, and let's be honest, usually the third one, the, the, the parable of the, of the prodigal son, we usually preach half of that one. We, we, we usually leave out the second brother part. But when we don't preach them all together, when we don't see it as one big unit, then we miss out on the real point that Jesus is making here. So we're gonna look at the entire thing together. Read along with me. The word of God says this in Luke 15, beginning in the first verse. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse eight, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I found the coin that I'd lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 11, and he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country and there squandered his property on reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out 
to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come and your father's filled the, has, has killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But the other brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to his son, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Thus ends the reading of the word of God this morning. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at your word here, God, we know that what you write here is truth. It is illustrating for us an attitude and a motivation, God, that we need to grasp. Father, I pray for every person in this room that we will understand that there is joy in seeking the lost people all around us, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy. Father, you know what? There may be people right now in this room who have never turned and trusted Jesus based on the the biblical category, the biblical language, the biblical label here. They are lost. They are separated from their rightful owner. That's you, Father. You created them. You made them. You give them life. You sent Jesus your only begotten son to live, die, and rise again that they might be saved. Father, yet they're apart from you. Father, would you touch their heart even today? And for those that have already come to Christ, would we rejoice in the work of seeing sinners found and saved? It's in Jesus' name I ask all of this. And all God's people said, amen. So again, today's takeaway, take the gospel to every home because there's great joy in the lost being found and saved. Now, as I read the passage there, 
you should have seen a pattern in each one, right? It's the same story, just different characters, different incidentals in the thing there, right? But did you notice that with each one, it got more valuable? First, it was a sheep. Then it was a coin, money. And then it was a son. So it progressively got more valuable as it went along. But there was a pattern. Lose, seek, find, rejoice. Lose, seek, find, rejoice. Lose, seek, find, rejoice. All three parables, we see that pattern. And so our text then is pointing us to three actions this morning. First is this, it's you gotta recognize the reality of lostness. In this series of parables, the, the shepherd has lost the sheep, the woman has lost the coin, the father's lost the son. And again, with each parable, each thing gets more valuable with each parable. And somehow these things and this person became separated from the one that they belong to. It's all demonstrated throughout history as you think about shepherds, how much shepherds love their sheep. They know them by name. The, they know their unique bleat. They feed them, they lead them, they care for them. Shepherds love their sheep. But not only is there that relationship there, there's also, right, I mean, we, we sometimes forget this when we think about Bible things, but, but shepherds are farmers, right? I mean, the, the sheep are their livelihood. And so there's, there's, there's financial value in that sheep as well. I mean, today you take a two to four year old uh, you, uh, sheep and you can get somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 for that you. And for a mature ram, you can get somewhere in the neighborhood of $500. So there's the relational motive, but there's also the profit motive when one of these sheep go missing. Now for the woman, Jesus says that she lost a silver coin. Literally, it says a Greek drachma, a Greek drachma. And uh, that was just a, a, you know, a Greek monetary division, all right? It was just a coin like we have nickels, dimes, quarters. They had a drachma, all right? And it was essentially equal to a Roman denarius. And in Jesus's day, a drachma or a denarius was equal to a day's wage. So you work all day and that's what you got at the end of the day. Now, for some of us who are teenagers in this room, that would be like losing a $50 bill. For others of us in the room, it'd be like losing a Benjamin or two. For others, it'd be like losing a few Benjamins. And still others, I mean, it might, it might, be, might like be losing 10 Benjamins, I don't know. Whatever your day's wage is, can you imagine the strong desire if you lost your day's wage to find it? I have a friend who keeps a very tidy house. And nothing's ever out of place and anything that gets laid around could easily end up in the trash. Well, back in the 80s, when um, they were living in an apartment, sort of as newlyweds, not long being married, he brought his check home and he laid it on the counter and he went and did a few things. And when he got back home a few hours later, he noticed his check wasn't where he had left it. And so he asked her, he said, hey, have you seen my check laying around? And she goes, oh, that was a check oh no, I threw it away. And uh, he said, oh gosh, I'm gonna have to noodle through the trash here in the house. And she goes, no, you don't understand. I've already taken the trash out 
and I threw it in the big dumpster out back. I mean, they lived in a car, an apartment complex, so you can just imagine the great big trash dumpster. And so he had a choice. Lose his paycheck or go dumpster diving. So which one do you think he did? <laughs> That's right. He suited right up, man. It wasn't going to stop him. He got in there and he found that money. He pulled it out. He, I didn't even tell him what he had to dig through to get to that check, but he found it. That's, that's how strong the desire is. That's how strong the desire is to get what is yours, to find your lost wages. And for the father, I mean, do I really have to explain the value of a son or the value of a daughter? I mean, they're priceless. They're of immense value. You love them with all your heart and you, you absolutely delight in them. And here, this man has lost his son. Or perhaps it's more accurate to say it this way. The man's son got lost, right? He voluntarily walked away and out of the life of his family. The son Either way, there was this pain of loss that was there. This, this son, in a moment of just great immaturity, he, he took his inheritance early and went to a faraway land and he lived a life of pleasure-seeking and sin and he squandered his inheritance. And so all three of these people, the shepherd, the woman, and the father recognized the reality of lostness. Something of theirs was gone. And so beloved, as we prepare to take this one final time before we take the gospel to every home today, we have to recognize the reality of lostness all around us. Everywhere, guys, there are people around us who are lost. They're separated from God. They may not even know it. They have a broken relationship with God. And the Father is looking to restore that relationship that they might be found. Listen, we, we subscribe here at Eastwood to a service that helps us to map out our community to know who is who and, and ages and all sorts of demographic things and all that. And so in a 10-mile radius, I ran the report. In a 10-mile radius around this church, there are 26 thousand homes, 26,000 homes. And a thousand of those, according to this research, a thousand of these homes are openly, decidedly non-Christian. We're talking about Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Shinto, Mormon, and Sikh. These are all of the religions, you talk about the world coming to us. This isn't a 10 mile radius. All of those world religions, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Shinto, Mormon, and Sikh. And these are people who without a doubt that are lost, right? They are lost. But we also know that it's been estimated that like 85% of the people of Warren County will not be active in a church anywhere, which is a good indicator that they're most likely lost. Now, going to church doesn't save you, but guess what? Saved people go to church, right? 
Saved people go to church. And so it's very likely, as you think about that, that 26,000 people or those 26,000 homes, that 22,000 out of the 26,000 don't, maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's eight out of 10 homes don't have an active relationship with Jesus. Now that estimate, as I hear that guys, that I'm just like, man, that seems high. I feel like I know more Christians than that. But that's what the stats say. And maybe it is an overestimate, but here's the deal. Let's, let's, just, let's just suffice it to say this, beyond a shadow of a doubt, many, many, many people around us need the Lord, amen? Could we leave it at that, right? Many, 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 many people around us need the Lord. And today as we send you out, now you might be saying, listen, I, we're not going out. I didn't sign up. Well, today as a church, we are sending out this team. And so we are sending out, as we send out this team, we're gonna go, we're gonna send them out expecting that lost people who need Jesus more than anything in the world are gonna be out there. Here's the second action that our text points us to. And it's this, to search faithfully for that which is lost. You see, when you lose something, you don't just say, nah, I guess it's gone. <laughs> you don't do that. No way. You search with all your might. My mom, when I was young, I still remember this. It's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Some of the memories that you remember. I still remember uh, over on Pruitt Road, we live on Pruitt Road, and I still remember uh, my mom searching for her for a ring that she had. And I remember she got a metal detector. I mean, she searched and searched and searched. Why? Because she had lost that thing, and so she faithfully searched and I, I, I called her and was like, mom, did you ever find that thing? She said, no, I never found it. Never, ever found it. But you, you, you faithfully search for that which is lost. Back in 2004, Christy was just about to head out uh, to lead a, a late high school, a, a college students, a mission trip. This was gonna be a month long mission trip along the Amazon River in Peru. And um, you talk about God with a sense of humor, right? I mean, this is a woman that didn't learn to swim until we married, you know? And here's God sending her down the largest river in the world on a canoe, right? I mean, you know, she, she, went, she was faithful, man. She wasn't scared. You know, she knew God would see her through. And so she was about ready to drive out to the mission training camp just outside of Atlanta. It was gonna, we were gonna leave, she was gonna leave the next day. She was all packed and ready to go and just needed to grab her passport. And when she went to retrieve that passport from where she thought it was, it wasn't there. And so guess what? We began to panic. We began to panic. And we, we first started kind of looking nice, you know, just kind of moving stuff and all that. And as the day went on and we couldn't find it, I mean, we're, we're just grabbing drawers and dumping them, man. We're getting boxes and dumping them. It was crazy, you know, rifling through stuff. And eventually we found it. After hours of searching, she found it in the purse that she had used on the last mission trip that she had went on. So praise God, we found it. And when we did, we were relieved. We were ecstatic because that is what you do. That's just what you do, man. When you lose something, you don't just let it go. You faithfully search for it. And that's what we see here in the text. 
the shepherd, what did he do? He left his 99, his 99 sheep, and he went searching for the one lost. And he didn't stop until he found it. The woman, she lit a lamp and, and, and desperately began to sweep her house and, and didn't stop until she found that lost coin. And the father is a little different because his son voluntarily walked out. His son didn't, he didn't lose his son. His son got lost. He voluntarily walked out of their life. And so he didn't go searching for him, but the text implies this, that the father was always watching for him. He was looking because the text tells us the, you know, that the son, it seems, was always on his mind because the text tells us here that the father saw the son on the road long before the son got close. He, it says here on the day that it actually happened that the father saw him while he was still a long way from the house. And he didn't wait for his son to get there. He went after his son, he ran and met him there on the road. You see, people who have lost something, they search faithfully for it. And that's what we're to do. We're to faithfully search for the lost. You see, that was Jesus' stated purpose. He says exactly so in Luke 19.10. Check this verse out. Luke 19.10 says, for the son of man... That's Jesus. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Guys, if that's Jesus' stated purpose and we're to be followers of Jesus, that means that's, at, that's our stated purpose as well. And guys, that's what gospel to every home is about, right? It's our search plan to find the lost and we're gonna do it through a gospel gift bag distribution Something as simple as this thing right here. Now, for those of you who are going out today, I emailed you the other day and told you, you are fully equipped. You already have everything you need to do this. You are fully equipped to do this, but I wanna give you just a quick training right here. All right, here's what you do. You walk up, ring the doorbell or knock on the door, and then you step back. I usually step all the way back to the steps. It just gives people space when they come to the door. All right, it makes them feel a little bit comfortable, uh, a little more comfortable to open the door if you've, if you've given some space, all right? So knock and step back. If they don't come to the door, what do you do? Well, we've got these nifty bags with a hole in it and you just hang that on their door and head on. You might knock twice, ring the doorbell twice, but if nobody comes to the door, hang it on the door. And then as you walk away, pray for that house as you go to the next house. All right. Let's say you go up, you knock on the door, ring the doorbell, step back, and somebody comes to the door. What do you do? You say simply this, hi, my name is Ben Simpson. Please don't say Ben Simpson. I, I had Lance... I had Lance come up to me after the first service and said, I don't think they'll like it if I tell them I'm Ben Simpson. <laughs> Impersonating a preacher. <laughs> so insert your name, but hi, I'm Ben Simpson with Eastwood Baptist Church. Hey, we're out in our community today giving gift bags to every home, uh, gospel gift bags, and we would love 
to give one to you? Would you mind taking one? Or can I leave one with you? And if they say no, you say, God bless you. We'll see you later, right? You're, you're not there to argue with them. Uh, no, you are gonna take it. No, you don't got to do that. Just, <laughs> no, just, just, all right. You know, hey, God bless you guys. We'll pray for you guys. And you just head on, okay? But if they say yes, then you give them the gift bag and you say, God bless you. Um, have a good day. Like that, that's the extent of what it has to be. Now, for some of you, like God might open the door for you to say more than that. You might get to, you might actually get to share the gospel. They might say, what do you mean? What, what, what's the, what is the gospel? When you hand them the gift bag, you tell them it's a gospel gift bag and they say, what's that mean? Well, then you get to share more, okay? And you'd be ready to share more because they might ask you a question or whatever else, but guys, you know the answers. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been equipped, you know what the gospel is, right? That people are sinners, that Jesus came to save sinners and every person who turns and trusts in Jesus will be saved from their sin. That's simple, right? So you can share that with them if they ask you, well, what's the gospel? And you might get some Christians who are just testing you, playing you out, all right? You'll see how it goes sometimes, all right? So nevertheless, have the conversation with them if the door opens and then bless them, walk away and head to the next home. Is that very hard? No, man, that's easy. You guys are gonna do great with that. You're gonna do absolutely great, all right? So let's take the gospel to every home so they can search faithfully for that which is lost. Now remember though, as we come to our final point, that the main point this morning, take the gospel to every home because there is great joy in the lost being found and saved. Remember the pattern we saw. Lose, search, find, rejoice. Lose, search, find, rejoice. So remember, guys, this is not our duty. This is our delight, man. We get to do this. And so that brings us to our final action today, and it's this, is to experience the joy of the lost being found. Shepherd, the, you know, the shepherd and all of his buddies, they, they celebrated with full joy when the lost sheep was found. The woman and all of her friends celebrated with full joy when the lost coin was found. The father and all these others celebrated with full joy when the lost son was found. Now, of course, as you read, as, as you heard me in the parable there, big brother didn't like it. Big brother was not gonna go into the party. He was too selfish. He was too bitter to rejoice and be glad about his brother. But as he refused to go into the party, we we're gonna refuse the big brother spirit. We're not gonna have that spirit. Man, we want, we want to be a part of the party. We wanna rejoice. And so we're gonna to work to see lost people found and saved. But ultimately here, guys, Jesus isn't talking about sheeps about a sheep or a coin or, or a son. He's talking about sinners like you and me. And so he tells us in Luke 15, seven, check that out. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Check out verse 10. 
Luke 15, 10, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What does that tell us? That tells us that when a person is saved, heaven throws a party. Heaven throws a party. There is joy in seeing lost people found. There's immeasurable joy. One of the best feelings in the world, y'all, just trust me, is to lead somebody to Christ. As a pastor, I've gotten to do it a hundred, you know, hundreds of times. It never gets old to see somebody saved. And you might be saying, I don't know if that'll happen today. I mean, I'm just gonna knock on their door and then and, and, and through that process and talking with them and sharing Jesus with them, they might get saved. Did you hear Becky McConnell's testimony from our third promo video? Somebody knocked on her door, shared Jesus with her, and she turned right then and trusted Jesus. See, here's the deal. You don't know how ready somebody is. You might be knocking on the door of the ripest person spiritually that there's ever been. And so you very well might today get the chance to lead somebody to Christ. But if not today, you can be a part of that work to see them come and give their life to Jesus, to see them come from death to life. And and, and it's for that joy that's set before us, y'all, that we go and work and find lost people. And when they're found and saved, guess what? We go party like it crazy, right? Party like crazy. We will rejoice with all of our hearts. And I'm talking not just to those who are part of this gospel to every home team. I'm talking to everybody who's a follower of Jesus Christ because this is not just a, a one day emphasis. Like this is the Christian life. You're to share the gospel with people for the joy that's set before you in seeing them come to Christ and be saved. So beloved, remember taking the gospel to every home is not just our duty. Oh, it's our duty. We've been commanded, but it's also our delight. As the praise team comes, here's my final prayer today. May the joy set before you persuade you to take the gospel to every home. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact 
that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.